Welcome to the Brain Fever Podcast. This is a story of Jackie Stebbins, who is a lawyer, a mother, a wife, and an autoimmune encephalitis survivor. She wishes to tell her story about her fight with autoimmune encephalitis and her recovery. Now, here are your hosts, Jackie Stebbins, and me, her husband, Sean Erickson. And welcome to the Brain Fever Podcast. I am Sean Erickson. Off to my right, if you're staring at your iPod, iPhone, whatever, off to your right, is also Jackie Stebbins. Hello. Hello. And uh, we are doing this podcast to bring awareness about autoimmune encephalitis. And to you, this is our very first podcast. To Jackie and I, this is our second podcast. And hopefully it is downloaded and uh, being played on iTunes. But um, we had a very rough go with the first podcast. Very rough. Very rough. And I have been together with my wife for about 17 years, married 11. And we have a lot of things in common. We mesh really well, but we found out that podcasting together was like the worst decision was we had probably ever, living ever hell. Made. It was ever. awful. Awful. It was awful. It could probably lead to many fights, and we don't even fight that much. We don't usually, but he started throwing around the D word yesterday, divorce, which is not cool because I was a divorce lawyer for ten years. And yeah, that don't you? That's why we get along together. Do you think I'd really get you angry? Exactly. You exactly. don't threaten divorce lawyers with divorce, but I thought it. It was going okay that we just maybe didn't have the best chemistry, and I, I we had no chemistry, none, none. I held it in for forty five. It was Wayne Gretzky playing basketball with Michael Jordan. That's what it was. Yeah, I was like Shaq blocking the shots of a sixth grader. Wait, no, that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. It was. How is that a good thing? Yeah, I don't know either. We were so bad. Um, I finally stood up and said that my pregnant back needed a break. And then we both just let it out and decided it was the worst 45 minutes we'd ever spent together. Get this, everyone. It was the worst 45 minutes. And usually at that point, I've done some podcasting before. If it's good, you quit, you scrap it. Guess little Miss Lawyer Determination wanted to keep going to see if it got better. Yeah, that was not happening. So we had to stop powering through it. But here we are. I'm not going to call it the first annual because my friend Kelly yelled at me for uh, my brain walk. I was calling it the first annual. I think that's inaugural. No, it isn't. It's inaugural. He said there's no thing that's a first annual. So it's the inaugural brain walk on Saturday. It's the inaugural Jackie and Sean podcast. So work with us, people. Yes. World Encephalitis Awareness Day, right? World Encephalitis Day. Wed. Red for wed. That's right. Okay. So that is this Saturday. And we are having a walk here in our uh, hometown. Well, not our hometown, but the town that we live in on Saturday. hometown. I guess it is our hometown now. So basically with this week, we I mean, when you got autoimmune encephalitis, I had no idea what that was when the neurologist told us. He asked us if we knew what autoimmune encephalitis was, and I said no, and I was scared. And um, there's no idea. I mean, you hate to say it. It's like if it was cancer, you, you kind of have an idea. There's a process to that. If it's some other fairly known disease, you know that there's some type of process. It's like, what do you do with autoimmune encephalitis? And before we get to all of that, I guess we just kind of want to start on on the onset and what we've learned through different podcasts and threads on uh, Facebook groups and, and other groups. It's different with everyone. And it's such a very weird, different disease condition. I still don't know really what to call it. Yeah, remember, I had to ask my neurologist at the Mayo Clinic, I think I asked him, and it was November or March, and I was very serious. And I said, Dr. McEwen, what, what do I have? Do I have a sickness? Do I have a disease? Do I have an illness? 
And you'd have to know and see Dr. McEwen. He's he's brilliant. He's wonderful. And he is straight out of Ireland, right? Like straight out of Compton, straight out of Ireland. So he's got this amazing Irish accent. And he looked at me very seriously and he said, well, it's all of that, really. And okay, that's not comforting. So I have a sickness, illness, disease of my brain. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And and once again, it's different for everyone. And that's why we're sharing this because, yes, it's like one in 100,000 people get this is that one of the stats was like that i think i think that's one of the I only mean, ones i've seen yeah it's hard so to get a straight answer. so i mean yeah it, it is very rare and we live in a area where there's the you know two towns across the river from each other the total population is a little about one hundred thousand people and i just kind of made the slight joke to myself like well jackie took one for the team she's taking one for bismarck mandan so when you First, I don't want to say because you didn't know when you really had autoimmune encephalitis before, but what what was the uh, onset like for you? How how did this whole thing start? Sure. So my process was kind of long, I think, just from the, you know, the little bits we gather from, like Sean said, social media. And there's a podcast a gal and her boyfriend do down in L.A. that we've listened to and, and read some stories online because I, I do not have a support group in North Dakota. I do not have a support group in Bismarck. Um, I know of a three-year-old boy, a five-year-old boy, and I talked to a lawyer in Alaska and a lawyer in Minnesota that I found through online research. I was trying to find another lawyer with autoimmune encephalitis. So I don't have a lot of people, right? So we piece this all together as best we can. But yes, my onset was a little protracted, a little prolonged, which made it probably even a little worse, um, if it can be worse. So what happened was in the fall of 2017, it was right at the time change in November, my sleep began to be interrupted. I would just wake up like someone, you know, started an alarm or rang a bell in my ear or flipped on a light switch and it would be at like 4am and it just happened consistently. And oh, by the way, I am a trial lawyer and I am so wordy, have been forever. So this is my best at a condensed version because remember, I'm literally writing a book on you know, my experience. Papa Nodos. Right? Take some Benadryl right now. Spare yourself. So anyway, the sleep interruption continues till January. In January, I go to the doctor. I'm just like, what is this? Is this my hormones? Because I want a quick fix. I'm a lawyer. I'm busy. I don't have time to be sick. And I don't have time to not sleep. I had little kids at home. I owned and operated my own law firm. I was a busy, busy person. So did not have time to not sleep. So by January... I'm just like, this is silly. It's got to be my hormones. So we fiddled a little, looked at hormones. Again, fast track by January, February, you know, still just having these periods of interruption in my sleep. By March, by mid-March, full-fledged insomnia all night. All-nighters were fun in college. They are not fun when you are like an adult and you're not drinking. Just, you can't sleep. So by mid-March, it's not a joke anymore. It's not my hormones. Like, this is really bad. I never, I had always been pretty lucky. I was pretty healthy. I'd laugh and say I was the most healthy, non-healthy person. I had a lot of training injuries from running and basketball and taekwondo, and, but I was healthy. You, you have a tendency to overdo it, but you were healthy. Huge tendency to overdo it. Really, Just we need to work. A little bit, yeah. We need to work on a middle speed. That's a work in progress. So I don't really like medication. I don't want any. But at some point, I called this doctor again that I had seen about my hormones. And we figured out by blood work, it it wasn't my hormones. They were fine. And I'm like, hey, maybe we need to talk about something else. She talked a little bit about melatonin or Benadryl. You know, you could have given me a Tic Tac. It would have done the same, you know, amount of damage as Benadryl or melatonin. So by the end of March, I have to go out of town and try this case. Grossest memory I have, probably one of the grossest in this whole process 
because I'm out of town leading up to it. I'm so busy with pre-trial work. I can't sleep and I'm so tired. And the night before the trial, I didn't sleep. And that night I'm away, I'm in a hotel and I'm just looking out the window, you know, in bed, the clock just keeps ticking and moving forward. And I just see these bright lights in this fast food restaurant. And I just keep telling myself, like, you're so tired. Like, what is wrong? Go to sleep. So when I get back from that trial, I finally realize like, this is going to affect me. It's going to affect my work. Like, I can't keep kind of just blowing it off. Like, I need to do something and, you know, I need medicine. And again, I kind of wanted a quick fix. Who doesn't, right? So this is about the time that we start to say, is this depression? Is this anxiety? Because I'm a lawyer and I'm overworked and I'm stressed out. And, you know, lawyers statistically become depressed. It just kind of comes with the nature of the job. I didn't want to admit it because I just didn't think that was me and I had never had a problem like that before but after just lying awake in bed those couple nights and those couple weeks and being at trial I just I knew I could not have that in my life so I decided to take trazodone my doctor prescribed it to me it is an antidepressant which made me a little hesitant but I was like okay nope this is what I need so I started taking that so this is about the beginning of April it worked for a couple weeks it was magic it was the silver bullet I needed this is great And then it stopped working and it scared me a lot and I couldn't sleep again, pulling all nighters. So by the end of April, I'm not sleeping, haven't slept now in a while. And then a little more came on. I started to clench my jaws. My hands started shaking and noticed the tremors and I had some anxiety by early May. I had, you know, it's another month that I haven't slept. Medication isn't working. We've all decided Jackie is depressed. This is, you know, serious depression. The insomnia is part of it. All these other little effects are part of it. Some anxiety, you know, the clenched jaws. It all made sense, right? Lawyers are depressed. Jackie's overworked. I'm starting to blame myself, thinking I've just worked too hard and I haven't had good, you know, work-life balance and good priorities and... So I start with kind of this self-blame and my symptoms get a little worse. So I left work in early May, told everybody around me, you know, I just need a week's break. We're going to get some medication working at this point. I've been in with my primary doctor a little more and we talk about different medications and try one and I didn't really like the way that made me feel. So I leave work for a week, change up medications, get a new antidepressant and get what we now know was very bad. And Sean remembers this vividly, gets a Mambian because I just, I was begging to go to sleep. Like someone, please put me to sleep, give me medicine. So from the time I leave work in early May, my memory starts to fade. Literally the day after I leave work, I can't drive with the kids anymore. I don't feel safe doing that. I can't swim. I can't bike physically. I just, my body doesn't want to work. And then I just kind of lie down and that's just kind of the end of it. I... I remember I was on our futon, I don't know why, not on the couch, and I was just lying on the futon staring at this clock, and that's all I did. I didn't really talk, I just stared, or I'd go sit outside and stare. Couldn't listen to music, couldn't read, and I talk about this in the book, it's as if there was really nothing in my head, which is really terrifying, I can, I promise you that. So I start to lie down and stare, and I feel pretty sick. Fast forward hardly even a week after I've left work, I beg, beg my family, my friends, like, please, someone check me into the psychiatric unit. This is what I need. I'm desperate for sleep. I have not slept day or night in a long time. So I checked myself in the psychiatric ward. 
That is something that I don't think a lot of people have done in life or will do. It surely gives me an interesting perspective on life and, and mental health and mental illness. So I checked into the psych ward for 48 hours. And at that point, I really started to lose touch. I know I couldn't tell time. I couldn't do the date. And again, I go through so much of this in, in more detail in my book. And they reaffirmed kind of that self-blame that I had. They just said, you know, you can work so hard, you can short yourself out. And that's kind of what we operated under. And I think I walked, talked, and looked like a person who had shorted out from anxiety. I was ghost-like. You'd scare me. You know, if you'd talk to me, I was confused. So I got out of the psychiatric ward. My poor husband picked me up. I have no memory of it with my kids. And there's a sick feeling in his stomach. Like, not only is she not better, like, she's worse. And the next six days, I have no memory of nothing whatsoever. I was doing incredibly bizarre, weird things. Um, Sean asked me what I was doing apparently and I said I was putting my clothes away from the psych ward I was putting all my underwear on the floor by my chest of drawers and I was putting like my sweats and shorts in the bathroom sink and I apparently was none the wiser that it was weird so Sean was watching me deteriorate our two kids were our kids were only five and three they were really little and I have no memory and after that six days we went to a follow-up appointment with a nurse practitioner in the behavioral clinic and she took one look at me according to Sean and said this is not behavioral this is neurological and she's a wonderful woman her name is Stephanie McDonald at Sanford Behavioral she saved my life I will consider her my angel for the rest of my life she's just a wonderful woman and thank goodness she did what she did because she she absolutely saved me I was going downhill very rapidly I absolutely believe I would have died or suffered permanent brain damage the way I was going so she expedited my referral, got me into a neurologist. The next day, I did a neurological workup, like an examination and a test. I was very much failing those. I was not getting an A-plus grade, I tell you that. I have very little memory of that. And another angel came into my life, Dr. Dunnigan. He is remarkable, and that's when he asked my mom and Sean if they'd heard of the book Brain on Fire or Autoimmune Encephalitis. They had heard of neither, and I would have been the same had I been with it. Had you been with it, yeah. yeah you I would were, have said, what? You I've... were staring at the wall. You had no idea yeah, what was going I on. I was so lost, and when you think about it at this point, it was like 17 or 18 days before that. I had been in court and defended in order to show cause, and I didn't. I wasn't feeling very hot that day. But you, you know? knew what you were doing. I did fine, yeah. We... We won the hearing that day. I, my hands were shaking. My jaws were clenched. But I, again, I just thought it was, you know, the the impact of the insomnia. So to go from that to, you know, spiral tornado out of control to the point that I'm failing a neurological exam. And the next day they did an MRI of my brain, which came back clear, which was good. My family thought I had a brain tumor. The day after that, I did a spinal tap, a lumbar puncture to test um, the antibodies in my cerebral spinal fluid and, and take this fluid from my spinal cord to see if I had these antibodies present that people usually have when they had, have autoimmune encephalitis. I remember nothing of, really nothing of the the last two days. I remember a little of the first day of the neurological workup, the next two, nothing, except that I was in excruciating pain after the spinal tap. I, I didn't want to sit down. I didn't want to lie down. I didn't want to stand. It was awful. That's all I remember. So that night then... There was an epic fireworks show in my bedroom. Ooh, yeah, I see that. Don't worry, I was not there for this. I so say, I don't, see the look my husband just gave me. It's not me. No, unfortunately, the epic fireworks show was my brain. I had a grand mal seizure that night in my bed, 
Thank God it was in my bed, so I didn't hit my head or anything. Leading up to that, I was having some seizures at night. I told Dr. Dunnigan that. It's in his notes. Um, I just was telling Sean and my mom, I feel like lightning's going off in my head. And, and one morning, um, we now know I, I did have a seizure in the bathroom. It's in grave detail in my book. So I'd had a few small ones leading up to the to the biggie. And it was pretty bad. Um, it's the early morning hours of May 26, 2018. It was so violent, it broke and dislocated my right shoulder. Broke my back in three spots. And, and this was all in your bed? All in my bed. I didn't fall. I didn't hit anything. So just imagine your muscles, you know, contracting and tightening and, and your body lurching out of control. I'm sure it's awful. I know I was there, but I, I don't know what it looks like or feels like. Which I think God does that for a reason. I think he takes your memory away so you could never, ever remember. Unfortunately, you do, Sean, and my mom does. So they found me um, right away and came running into my room and had to call 911. And um, four wonderful firemen from the Bismarck Fire Department were the first on scene to take my vitals and kind of, you know, get a feel for what was going on. And then the EMTs, the ambulance came and took me to the hospital for a five-day getaway at the local hospital. Well, you wanted some time off. I really so, did want a break. So, I mean, you got food served to you and a nice bed. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get to stay in bed. And I remember, I think I ate a lot of orange sherbet. Yes. Yes, you did. You definitely, after after the seizure, you seem to have like a like taste for... Sugar. Sweets. Do you remember that? Sweets? It was and like... before. Was it yes. a little before? Yes, okay. because remember, your sister was going to make me Bananas Foster. Yes, that's right. She was going to make you bananas. In fact, that, that Friday before your spinal tap, she was going to make you Bananas Foster. So yes, I do remember that because that's all you talked all, about. And I've never eaten it. And, I don't and even you, know what it is. Even that day, you weren't saying much, but you said that you would like some Bananas Foster. Yeah, after the spinal tap, I think I was in so much pain and so nauseous because I'd puked all over myself before the seizure, which is why I had mismatched pajamas. Little did I know that six men were going to show up in my bedroom. I might have like combed my hair and put on some makeup and had matching pajamas on. Instead, I chose to wear jammies that were like falling off from 2005. But they were comfy. They were comfy. And I mean, I wasn't dressing myself at that point, so I guess I could even blame you. You wanted what you wanted, and I just followed the rules. Of what and you what's wanted. changed? Nothing. Good. Okay. Excellent. Especially at this podcast. So, <laughs> so I do a five-day getaway at uh, St. Alexia CHI Hospital in Bismarck. So my neurologist that starts the workup is gone because it's Memorial Day weekend, but there is a neurologist at St. A's. One of the first people I remember that I saw was the orthopedic surgeon who came in to tell me that I had done serious damage to my shoulder, which I'd already dislocated numerous times prior in life and had surgery on it. So I'm really glad I had that surgery to hold it together when it all blew out (laughs) during the seizure. So I just have like these tiny, tiny memories in the hospital. I remember Dr. Pierce coming in, the orthopedic surgeon, to say you did serious damage. So I like wake up in bed. I'm, you know, belted in. I'm in this immobilizer brace for my shoulder. I'm cranked up on morphine because it's very painful to have your shoulder repositioned after you dislocate it. I've known that from experience. And then it's broken on top. My back hurt and itched, but at the time we didn't know it was broken. What else? Oh, yeah, and my brain had erupted and I had a seizure. So yeah, that's, I mean, the autoimmunencephalitis, yeah, it just kind of really attacked your brain there. So yeah. so I wake up and, I mean, I'm sort of awake. I'm not really at all. Um, still pretty out of it. Get through the hospital. Had wonderful care there. Another, like, angel came into my life there, Dr. Vivek Vidara. He took good care of me. 
and I think he was really reassuring to my family because this this <laughs> this doesn't happen. People don't see this. Even the neurologist, Doctor Heider, I think admitted pretty quickly. Like we don't see this. I I don't remember if if it's in his notes or what he said. If he's never personally seen it, but this isn't happening a lot in Bismarck. So they didn't know what to do with me. I was so fragile. I was so sick. That's the thing. Everyone, every doctor that we talked to, they seem to like contact Mayo Neurology because no one had an, any idea what to do with you, really. Right. I mean, from it, Dr. Dunnigan to Dr. Heider. And I mean, it's just, it's so rare, but that's, you know, what Mayo does there. I mean, it, not a lot of people have it here in North Dakota. Right. And like the way I felt in junior high and high school, like with the male race, when they'd all just look at me like, ooh, get away. That's kind of how I felt. You know, with autoimmune encephalitis, everyone except for you, honey. Yeah. That they all just kind of like, oh, get away, go to Mayo. Like, you know, Mayo needs to deal with you. So they strategically placed me in the hospital, given the condition I was in. They wanted me very close to the nurse's station. I remember then after, or maybe it was even before that Dr. Dunnigan had said, like, I was the case study of the week. That morphed into I was the talk of the town of both hospitals. And at one point, there was very serious discussion of the Mayo Clinic sending their airplane to get me you know, to fly me to Rochester, Minnesota, the the main Mayo Clinic, because no one thought, you know, you could just put me in a car and drive me no, there. Like, no. what if I have a seizure? There's just so many moving well, one pieces. one person did. But, <laughs> but I, I think they were honestly, you your seizure was so violent, and they just knew that any more would do more yeah. damage, not only physically, but possibly Mentally. to your brain. I mean, oh, yeah. after that seizure, you, you quit shaking. You had your tremors. I mean, you... Those calmed down after the seizure. So I think we pretty much agreed that you were on verge of a seizure from the time that your tremors were starting, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then just those little ones I was having. But that was the only improvement. But I, I, I think that everyone was so afraid of you having another seizure, such a violent one that no one could really afford that. So Right, and grand mal seizures can kill people. Yeah. I mean, you can... You can't even make light of that, right? So I get out of the hospital and finally started um, some treatment for the autoimmune encephalitis. They blasted me with steroids via an IV, a thousand milligrams of steroids. And the first day I think helped, but the second day it was like it just it flipped that switch. It turned me back on. And I say I was me again. I go into great detail in the book. I mean, yeah, I was me again that I was like competent and could. Well, you were you again in the fact that you came home and you got after the bookkeeping people at the hospital for having two different files on you because <laughs> of your last name. Because of my double last so that, name. So that's when I knew a little bit of Jackie was coming back where it's like, no, this is ridiculous. They have right. two different files. This is not that I hard. I am the same person. Read the birthday. And right yep. away I was like, okay, a little bit of Jackie's coming back. Right. It was just the fact that I was still like broken physically emotionally spiritually and and what have you but yeah it, i mean turn it literally like turned my brain back on so before we get too much further because we're gonna try to keep this at 30 minutes probably more for our own sanity than the, the oh, listeners all Lord. six of you mm-hmm. um which is like my mom your mom my cousin okay anyway so what is autoimmune encephalitis if you don't know so what happened was for whatever reason my own immune system that's there to like protect me, right? To fight off colds and pneumonia. Which was never that good in the first place. No, we always thought it was like inactive because I was, you know, felt like and I was sinus sickly, infection. Right, getting colds. But it just revved up and ramped up for whatever reason and it attacked my brain mistakenly. Why it did that, no one will ever know. Can you catch it from me? Like if I touch your head, you know, I don't have like the force going through me. If I touch your brain, Sean's looking at me like, 
that would be bad. Hand sanitizer close by. Right. So my own immune system attacked me and it attacked my brain. So encephalitis is inflammation in your brain. That's what I had. And mine is autoimmune because my immune system did this. You can get it via, you know, viral or bacterial infection, which at least makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I have this virus or I have this bacteria in my body. It hurt my brain. The thought of your own immune system hurting you and hurting your brain and attacking your brain seems just ludicrous. But that's what happened. So that's what I have. But I am in remission now, aren't I? Yes, you are. Yay. And you are fully back to yourself, giving me death stares, telling me how to run a podcast, how to run your podcast. Bossing you around. And it's been wonderful. It's been so much fun to have but you back. But it is good to have you back. So I'm alive. I will be two years seizure-free, you know, on May 26. I just waited and waited and crossed my fingers and had a horrible, horrible year leading up to May 26th of 2019, but I did it. I was seizure-free. I was tapering down on steroids, which is the first line of defense um, to treat autoimmune encephalitis. The second line of defense is, it's tough stuff. It's essentially chemotherapy drugs that like Mm -hmm. strip your immune system or you have these IVIG treatments where they're, it's all like immunosuppressant to tell your immune system to back off. So steroids told my immune system to back off and they listened or it listened overall Considering the shape I'm in, I'm doing pretty well. Doing very well. Which is why you and I can podcast and I can remember and write a book about this. Yes. Which we're still questioning the podcast thing, but. (laughs) Some people can't do that. This is, it's just a terrible, awful disease and it takes so much from people and it's taken a lot from me. It took my mind, it took my body, it took my thoughts, it took my memory, it took my career. So I'm no longer a lawyer and we are going to take questions from the audience in a later segment. We had some, we have have quite a few actually. So that's pretty good. So you can ask a lot after you hear this like crazy summation when I'm literally writing an entire book about what I you know just talked about and the recovery, which I didn't talk much about. That'll probably be another segment. But I think we just wanted to give people an idea. And like I said, it was autoimmune awareness. I mean, people don't know. I mean, we've had people come up and ask some questions on, you know, what is this? How do you deal with this? And and we've corrected some things on, oh, don't you have to do this? No, you don't have to do. I mean, right. it's just and. I think a lot of this is just we want to be active during World Encephalitis World Day. Encephalitis and, but it's, Day, it's but. like, I mean, it's an awareness all month. There's there's brain walks on the 22nd. I'm part of a group like worldwide that's counting their, our steps um, all of February. And I don't run anymore or walk. I swim. So my steps aren't great, but I've been counting them all month. And my back hurts because I'm pregnant. We'll get there. I am very pregnant. My back hurts. <laughs> but I'm counting my steps. So there's so much going on, but awareness is key. And I'm giving motivational speeches now. I'm speaking about this because it does suck. I mean, it's it sucked for a lot of reasons, namely that it could have killed me. It almost did. It took a lot from me. It took away my career, everything I had worked for for so long. And then you go into recovery. And then and you, you have time to think about this while you're trying to get better and feeling miserable. Well, still. you're That's, isolated. You feel sick. You take enough medication to kill an elephant. It's just a lot. And then you don't have this social group. You don't have social circles. You know, you don't have doctors that treat this day in and day out. All, all the minor, my local neurologist is awesome. And in my neurologist at Mayo are great. But like, I can't carry Dr. McEwen in my pocket. I wish I could. So every day I could say, is this normal? Or is this the AE? Or is this because of the steroids? Or wait a minute, what's this statistic? Like, I can't carry him around. I would love to, you know, so I only have so much information. Um, We all only have so much information in this group, you know, patients and 
and caregivers alike. So Sean and I just want to do our part to, to spread a little word. And we're going to do we're going to do a and a I think, where I interview Sean. I think it's important for people to hear from Sean and to hear what he saw. Like, it was awful for me to suffer through this. But I think it was far worse for my husband and for sure my mom. They were the two, you know, main cogs in my wheel. So we're going to do a Q&A between Sean and I. We're taking questions from the audience. We have some great ones. We can use some more. We'll maybe talk a little bit about things that people ask me about a lot. Like, what's it like to be in the psychiatric ward? Or what's your recovery like? And maybe we'll just have one where we talk about funny things. Like where I asked if I, you know, rode in the ambulance. Um, yes, Jackie. Yeah, I mean, you were a little out of it and <laughs> wondered if you went with the people in the yeah. ambulance. Did I go with them? No, you drove. No, we like, put hello. you on top of the fire truck yeah. on one more fancy yeah. ride. The firefighters wanted you to drive their <clears throat> truck. So I was... You know, a few funny things happen. And, and you have to have some humor going through this. And especially when you're in recovery, we did make some jokes we probably wouldn't make about seizures, seizures and encephalitis and come up with song songs. We wrote a song. We didn't start Jackie's brain on fire. Yes. First one was bad. This would be worse. Okay. <laughs> I didn't sing in the first 45 minutes. Maybe that's why it wasn't good. No, it you was because we to sing. go to better just like the kids' book, like peanut butter and cupcake. So <laughs> well, let's be peanut butter and jelly, honey. What else are we going to talk about? A little bit about recovery, the psychiatric ward, some funny things. Um, but if anything, just know that autoimmune encephalitis, it's, it's a real, we're back to where we started. It's a sickness. It's an illness. It's a disease. It's in your brain. I did not do this to myself, no matter, no matter the guilt and the baggage that I'll carry that I was working too hard, which I've acknowledged I was. And a lot of people around me, you know, were telling me that and I probably wasn't listening. I've done a lot of soul searching, but I don't really think this was my fault. I think I was just lucky or special, whatever it is, what have you. And I now have a lot of autoimmune disorders. I have four. I went in with one and now I have four. My newest is a celiac disease and a blood clotting disorder. I don't like my celiac disease, but it is what it is. I don't really like the blood clotting disorder. No, that no. kind of makes you nervous. Oh, yeah, we forgot to talk about that, that they when they found all the breaks in my back, they yeah. found uh, two blood clots floating in my right lung and two floating in my leg, both of which, again, could have killed me. So we were escaping. And you were so happy to be pushed around by me and your mother in a wheelchair. That, That'll be another podcast on its own. First, the, your mother's <laughs> driving of the wheelchair and then mine. That's the funny story. Jumped out of my wheelchair and cut the line. And that was yeah, funny for a lot was, of reasons. That was. <laughs> me and my blood I did want to have some fun there. I'm like, oh my God, she can walk. She can walk. Not the time or place. No, not wasn't. a funny No, joke not at, at the Mayo Clinic. No, not at all. See, um, Sean has a thing called bad timing. Yeah, thankfully he didn't do that. And yeah, I ditched the wheelchair. I didn't need it because of my blood clots. I only did for a while. But anyway, so I am full of autoimmune disorders. Autoimmune encephalitis is a real thing. I'm writing a book about it. I speak about it. Just maybe one thing at the end, like this is Sean and I just chatting and spreading awareness. Clearly, neither one of us is a licensed medical physician. We are, Neither one of us is a neurologist. You don't want me treating you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a love doctor, honey. Oh, I am a love oh. doctor. So, I mean, this is just us chatting, doing our best. Clearly, you know, what I say isn't gospel. But if you want to talk to us or reach out to us, emails, it's jms at jamstebbins.com. You can like my Facebook page, jamstebbins. I mean, you could message me on Facebook. My name is Jackie Stebbins. We're and you recently that. joined the Twitter world. Oh my gosh, I have been so behind. J.M. Stebbins, uh, she just joined it. It's new, 
And somebody asked her if she was on TikTok, and she reached for TikTok. So um, she's yes. a little behind the times. A little behind the I've been trying to keep up on all social media platforms as it's part of my job, and I just watch my wife live like she's in the 1980s. Which I love, and I have a room. I copied this from a friend. I have an analog room. I have CDs and books, real hard ones, like books that you read and touch. They're not electronic. And I have records. <laughs> And I don't know what TikTok is. And when someone asked me about a dance, I thought it was from Napoleon Dynamite, which further dated me. But I love Twitterverse. I tweet all the time only about two things. One, autoimmune encephalitis. And two, Elton John. I love Elton John so much. Oh, I love him. And believe it or not, this is not part of the sickness. She literally loved Elton John way before. So, so. much. Oh, if he knew about me, the poor man, he'd have a restraining order. So I love Elton John. So I talk about him. I talk about autoimmune encephalitis. Jam Stebbins, that's what I'm talking about. I talk about it a lot, but that's kind of what I feel like is, I don't know, it's my gift, if you will. And I feel like it's my purpose now because I am very, very lucky and very fortunate. This this disease took a lot from me and it devastated me. But in the words of Elton John, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still standing. I'm here to talk about it. So with that, um, we will bid you adieu. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't podcast much. She just goes right into the. (laughs) (laughs) It was better than yesterday. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Um, Yes. uh, And and, yeah, we just kind of talked about the onset, but there are so many other things. Like I said, you're writing a book, too. It's all going to be in there. There's so much to this. So much. That, I mean, just I told her to go through it briefly because I don't think anyone has an hour and 45 to get the first half of it if we really wanted to get into it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was the problem with yesterday. Yeah. We were going grueling detail by grueling detail. And it and just it's, it's not oh good for God. a podcast. So it's not um, good for your psyche. Either. No, it's, it's not good for your marriage. No, um, no definitely not. It's kind of like going down a cheese grater slide. So we're just kind of keeping it simple. And um, yeah, like I said, if you want to get a hold of Jackie, just rewind. You got the Twitter, J.M. Stebbins. JMS at jamstebbins.com. That's a website. I was talking about your Twitter handle. Oh, that was my email. Oh, dear. Goodness. See, the fighting Fight ensues. All right. Well, uh, we will catch you tomorrow. We will have other things. I mean, if you enjoy the inner fighting of the uh, podcast, I guess that's kind of the soap opera part of it. If you enjoy little jabs, we'll go back and forth. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take some questions, everything else. But, uh, meanwhile, everyone have a glorious glorious day and please join us tomorrow just help us out download it share it just act like you care because that first podcast that will never air that really that really put down our self-esteem yeah, that made us think we had really bad mojo yeah let's go from six listeners to ten Woo-hoo. we need to find the six first yeah all right well thank you again and uh, we will catch you tomorrow good night